It was interesting because this morning, um, I knew the Lord wanted to talk about Nigeria a little bit, and there, there's so many things that I can't say online, right? That I want to share with you, but I can't share it online. Well, no, no, that is, it's true, it died. But that's what I'm saying, the Lord took it out of my hands. Lord took that one out of my hands. So, so uh, we're not online this morning. And uh, I, I know that to be his will, but uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your love. Thank you that uh, Michael and I and David are back home. And we just love you. Father, fill my mouth with your words. Powered by your Holy Spirit. Each one of us have come here this morning desiring something of you, desiring just you. So, Father, I ask that you move me out of the way and speak for your children are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You'll love. There is not a more infectious thing than love. Contagious. When you're around somebody who is passionately in love, you can't help but that affect you. And, and that's what the Lord just kept laying so heavy on my heart these last couple songs. I have never been in a place in my life where love is so displayed so passionately through worship than what he has done in this place. And it's got nothing to do with us. It instead has everything to do with who he is. And simply the realization of who he is and what he does. It's extraordinary. I'm telling you, wow, when... When you people are released onto this world, it's going to be insane, guys. It's, it's going to be insane, I promise you. So the, this, um, this trip, I'll, I'll go into the trip just a little bit, and then we're going to do it uh, more a little bit later, because the Lord did give me a quick word for you this morning. But what an amazing trip we had. An amazing, amazing trip. And every time I go over there, it has exceeded my expectations. But this one went from like 0 to 60 in 1.5 seconds. You know, it was like, boom, and we're moving. Uh, it, and, and I'm going to have Michael come up a little bit in a little bit, and, and he'll share with you. I know, I know he would say the same thing. And this was his first time there. And David, who, those of you who went to creation, you met David. Um, he, he's the, uh, uh, the founder of Truth, Chal- Truth Challenge. And so, so many of you know him. For those who don't, uh, that, that was an introduction that was uh, of God. Uh, he and I meeting and, and developing a friendship. But it was extraordinary all the things that God did. And 
Um, before I get into that, I, I do want to give this word because I, once I get into it, I don't want it to be too chopped up. And, and um, the Lord keeps laying this part on my heart. And this is, this is really the crux of who we are, the crux of who we're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I was sitting this morning, and <laughs> I had the other, the other screen ready. You know, whatever you want, Lord, the, the, the generic screen that we put up um, when, when I don't know what the Lord wants yet. But this morning, I, I, I'm still on Nigerian time. Because, you know, to wake up at 5.30 or 6 is, is, is like normal for me now. Uh, and yet that is not normal for me. Okay, you know, just to make that clear. Um, and so I, I woke up this morning about 6 and um, went downstairs and was just worshiping and, and talking with the Lord. And this song came on that is in my top three favorite songs right now. And I don't even know how old it is because uh, one of the other top threes of mine is, I thought it was brand new and it's like 15 years old. <laughs> Shows how with it I am, right? But, uh, but this song, I, th- I think it's pretty new. Um, Closer Than You Know uh, by Hillsong United. Is that new? New-ish? It's new-ish. Okay, it's, it's only 12 years old. Okay, all right. Well, anyways, this, is, this has become over the last couple of months, uh, or, well, last month and a half, just a very dear song to me. And this morning I was listening to it, and, and the Lord just laid on my heart so heavy, Really, not even so much what the song's talking about, because the song's talking about something different, but it's just that phrase. That phrase, heaven is closer than you know. And I just started pondering the fact that, do we really think about that? Do we really understand what that means? You know, you've heard about the life of Enoch. Heard about the life of Elijah. You know, those who, who lived the life of Paul, those who lived their lives in sequence with God, in sequence with the kingdom of God, that would, that would oftentimes be with him in his kingdom, even though they are held to the confines of this earth. And yet, it did not stop what that fellowship was that they had. In fact, with, and I've said this many times with Enoch, it was so, so normal for him to be in the kingdom of God. God just finally said, why don't you just stay? You don't need to go home. Just stay with me. And, and see, the Bible doesn't say he was taken. The Bible just said he was no more. <laughs> he just was hanging out with God and stayed. Elijah was taken. Right? Those are the only two in the Word of God that we know did not experience death. I think there have been, been some since then that have not experienced death. Um, I don't know, I, I know of one, and that was last Halloween. 
that little baby that was about to be sacrificed that we prayed over. And that little baby was, was saved and was taken to heaven. And so I know that baby did not experience death. But their relationship with the Lord was extraordinary. And the reason I say extraordinary is because the hardest part of building a relationship with God, one who you cannot see, is the fact that you cannot see Him. It says, seek first kingdom of God and His righteousness. Let Him worry about the rest. But what does that really mean? We've talked about that a thousand times. What does it really mean to seek first His kingdom? That means you're seeking outside of your own realm. That means in this place, when we're worshiping, it's not just something that we are laying on a platter to offer up to God. It is literally something where we are inviting God to be in this place with us. To be physically here in this place with us. Now, He is a spirit. So he's not going to manifest as we, not that he can't, he certainly could. But he doesn't. He doesn't manifest like we would manifest. Like you look over and say, oh, Jesus is here this morning. You know, it doesn't quite work that way. Why? Because it takes faith to build relationship when you can't see him. It takes faith to build relationship when you cannot See him. Think about that a second. Because see, to the world, that's crazy. To, to the world, that's time for a padded cell. <laughs> or, well, that's a crutch. Right? To the world, that's weakness. To God, that's strength. And, and so this morning, I, I was listening to this song and and speaking to Lord, it's it's insane. Just ever since, and and we'll get into the trip in a little bit. But but there was a point where we were down in McCurdy for a while and meeting with the governor and doing all the things, looking at the land, all those things down there, which I'll tell you about. But then there was a point where we came back up to Abucha, and I preached. And from that moment, from that moment that we walked, the three of us walked into that. I don't know what you'd call it. It looked like a big factory to me, but warehouse, I don't know what it was. It was huge and it looked like it was falling down, but it was huge. But you walk in there and David didn't understand this, but Michael and I immediately felt the aggression. Immediate, and, and I'm not one who feels really. Uh, I usually rely on the Lord to tell me, hey, by the way, there's something coming against you, just so you know, because you don't feel it. Well, this one I felt. And, and it was the, I had the strangest experience when I was preaching. The strangest experience because here I am talking, and, and I think they told, they told me I had 45 minutes. Is that what it was? And I think I took an hour and a half. I think they were a little upset, actually, about it. But, we'll never have that American back again, will we? But, I, I had, so, so I'm talking, and the Lord's speaking through me, 
And, and again, this experience was extraordinary to me because he's speaking through me like he usually does, and I'm speaking, but then he starts up this other conversation at the same time. And it, it, it was like, okay, I'm listening here, I'm listening here and speaking, and over here, we're having a conversation. And he begins telling me what he is going to do what his desire is, and what his judgment is. And, and I'm here to tell you, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't positive stuff. It, it was judgment. It was difficult. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But one of the things he was telling me was the warfare there was intense. And I didn't know exactly what that meant until I talked to Michael, when we were done, you know, and, and first thing I asked him was, did, did that make sense, what I was saying? Because I was literally having two conversations. And so I really hope it made sense. Yes, it made sense. So, But I asked him about it, and he said, he said, well, the Lord was telling him that there were witches in the audience. Not just that witchcraft was coming against it, but there were witches in the audience, and there were witches that were pastors, in that Assemblies of God uh, uh, religion, whatever you want to call it. And so later we get back to the hotel and, and I call Alexis and I'm, I'm talking to her about it and didn't say anything to her regarding any of that. And, and you know, she, she said that, that about the time, because she knew when I was preaching because it went live, on, uh, on Facebook, and, and she said about that time, she really was praying heavy, and, and the Lord started to pray in tongues through her, and, and if I remember correctly, gave her some of the interpretation of those tongues. And that was that there were witches in the audience. We hadn't said a thing to her about it. That was just a confirmation of what we had experienced. That's when the trip took a turn for me. Not, not negative or positive. It, the, the trip was insanely positive. But it took a turn for me to help me to realize just what the harvest looks like there. Just what the enemy has ingrained there. I want to be careful in saying this because I know there will be some who listen to the podcast later. And but I, I will say there was there was one who preached there that the Lord told me was of the enemy, and they were a plant. And if you listen to the message, every one of you would just say, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty obvious." But yet, in it, you would never know. They were the most popular of everyone who preached there. And I know some will listen to this and this will give it away, but they were from America. And it, it broke my heart because they knew who they were. In fact, they, they preached almost the whole time standing in front of me. If you saw online what it, this 
that we didn't really stand on the stage. I came off the stage. Um, I think everybody was preaching on the stage, but I didn't want to preach on the stage because it's so far away from everybody. So I walked up front and, and so all, everybody else was walking up front and stuff. And, and this guy just stood right in front of me and preached the whole time what he was preaching. And the whole time, God is telling me, don't you react. Don't you, don't you react. Keep a straight face. Don't you react. And, and he's, because everybody around me is standing up and hooting and hollering. He said, don't you dare stand. Don't you dare give credence to what is being said right now. And so the whole time I'm thinking, you know, cause I didn't, I, I stayed seated and, and it was, it was obvious. It was obvious that I, I was, I was seated and different than anybody else. But, um, but the Lord was just, just determined that I was to be, uh, non-compliant. If you will. And so, so you ever, you ever step in obedience to the Lord and you don't know what's coming up, but you think, well, this is how it could go. That's where my mind started to go. I'm thinking, you know, this was the second day and Michael and David were gone. They, they went into Abuja to do sightseeing and stuff like that. I was, I was there basically, you know, I, I was with everybody, but I was by myself. And, and so all these scenarios are going through my mind. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, please don't have them give me the mic again. Because I knew what the Lord wanted me to say if I had the opportunity. And, and I, so I'm just saying, Lord, please, please. I, I, I'm not sure I'd get out of here alive. And, and, and yet I knew the two angels that the Lord sent with me last year. I knew they were with me. I mean, I couldn't see them, but I knew they were with me. And so, so, so I'm like, well, Lord, okay, will it be okay? And he sent me a sign that was extraordinary. A few years ago, I had a dream. I had a dream and, and Peter, Peter can tell you a little bit about this. Uh, he helped me do some research on it, but I had a dream where I was in this old, it was like a kitchen. I was sitting on the floor and there was this really old table. I, I mean like five, six hundred year old table. Just almost like a country cottage kitchen, right? I'm sitting on the ground leaning up against this table and these three doves. I'd never seen a dove like it, ever. These three do- doves fly in and land on this table. And I look up at them and they're looking at me. And so I, I reach up my finger and it climbs on my finger. I bring it down to my chest. I reach my finger up again it climbs onto my finger. The second one, bring it down to my chest. Same with the third one. And I'm just like, this is cool. These things are beautiful birds. I've never seen anything like them before. And, and so I'm, I'm like leaning back. So I'm, I'm, you know, not quite flat, but leaning back to where my head's up. And they're standing right here. And this one comes and he just nestles in my neck. It was so cool. And then I woke up. And I thought, what in the world was that? This, this was probably three years ago. Three, maybe even more than that. Three and a half years ago. And so I started praying to the Lord, what, what was that? I don't dream very often. So when I dream, it's like, okay, Lord, you got something for me. What was that? And so he said, well, just do a little research on the bird. And so, so I draw what the bird looks like. 
And Peter said, hey, I'll, I'll research for you. Just kind of drop what it looks like. So I did. Explained it as best I could. Sure enough, he finds it to a T. He sends me a picture and he says, is this it? And I'm blown away. I'm saying, yes, that's exactly it. Come to find out that bird is only found in three places. One of those is Nigeria. Another one is Australia. Another place that we'll be going. The third one, I can't remember. I think it was somewhere in Asia. But anyways. But, so this bird has always been special to me. When, when I landed in Nigeria the first time, one of the first things I saw was this bird. And they're all over the place there. So here I am praying, Lord, will I be safe? Will I be okay? And we're in this factory looking place, right? These two birds, these two birds fly into this place and they land right above me. And, and I'm just looking at them and they're, you know, you know how birds see out the side and so their heads like this, <laughs> looking at me and I'm just looking at them. I'm thinking, these things are going to fly down here. This is cool. <laughs> they didn't. That would have been really cool, by the way. But they, they didn't. But they stood there and they just sat there. And I said, I, I'm like, Lord, that is so cool. And it was just a reminder to me of the protection that he had over me. And so at that point, I said, okay, give me the mic. Do what you want. Give me the mic. Give me the mic. Now I'm like, give me the mic. Give me the mic. Give me the mic. He never gave me the mic, which is probably good because I am here now. But what the Lord declared was that he is going to dismantle assemblies of God in Nigeria. And that's a very tough word. That's a very tough word. But it's because of the very religious system that is so ingrained all throughout Africa, all throughout the United States. Understand, this is not an African problem. This is a global problem. In the United States, it's hidden by the fact of global success. Right? We hide it with emotion. We hide it with success of, of what money brings in, of buildings, of music, of tapestry, we hide it in all that stuff, but it's the same here. It's that religious system. And, and, and all this stuff that was coming against, and, and I have never been sick since I've come from Africa. I never once, whether it was when I was in Ghana or the, all the times I've been in Nigeria, I've never once gotten sick. And this time, I did. And it, it began the day we walked in to that factory. And everything was coming against us. And it was, it was really interesting because there was a point this morning, I, I just wasn't doing well last few nights. And, and there was a point this morning where, um, you know, and I, I called off everything and whatever. And, and you know what, I'm not going to tell that story because it's whatever. Um, anyways, uh, bottom line is, that what was coming against us was the religious spirit. Now, when you think of religious spirit, you think, oh, well, that, well, that's God. It's just kind of like sub-God. 
It's, it's like God, but not as powerful as God because it's not really God, but it's kind of like God. Okay, no, it's not. It's Satan. Do you understand me? The religious spirit is not God. The religious spirit comes from Satan. Because it is a counterfeit of what it's supposed to be. And what I recognized was how powerful this had been ingrained into people. When, it, when I was preaching, I'm, I'm connecting with these people and I'm, I'm looking into their eyes and, 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 and it's, it's like I could pick out the ones that, that we're coming against. But there are so many hungry hearts there. Just like there are so many hungry hearts here. God's just going to reveal himself. And the only way he does it is in love. It's in love. Love is what got us over there. Love is what opened doors that we'll, we'll tell you in a few minutes that are insane. The doors he has opened there. Makes no sense at all. Not even a little bit. But it's love that has opened those doors. In 1 John chapter 2, I just want to just want to read the first six verses here. Now, the, this this is where it talks about Christ being our advocate, our lawyer, right, our attorney. But that's actually not why I'm going to read this. I know that's immediately what we think because we use this passage for that. But he showed me something this morning that was extraordinary. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is our attorney. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Those are heavy words, guys. Those are heavy, heavy words. Because, see, we think this. We talk about relationship all the time, and and I'm asked, constantly, how do I begin a relationship with Christ? And this is, this is obviously after accepting Christ as Savior. Once I'm saved, then how do I begin a relationship with Christ? How do I develop a relationship with Christ? How do you get to know somebody you can't see? How do you get to know somebody you can't even hear? It's like, I can't see you, I can't hear you, but I'm, I'm to develop this relationship with you that looks like a relationship that we have here on earth. I don't know about you, but in the natural realm, that does not compute. <laughs> that makes no sense. And so, so what we do oftentimes is we say, if I'll just do this, 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 and this, then that will draw me closer to him. 
that will draw me closer to understanding who he is. If, I, if I'm obedient in, in the things that I know, I can, I can op- open up Deuteronomy chapter 20 and, and look, at the, look at the Ten Commandments. And if, if I just obey those Ten Commandments, then, then I will have a relationship with him. Religious systems are built on that thought process. The religious system that we went up against in Nigeria is built on that thought process. The religions of the world, and and by the way guys, I'm talking about the ones that know Christ as Savior. Because if they don't know Christ as Savior, they're, they're not the bride. Right? I'm only talking about the bride. I'm talking about those who know Jesus Christ as Savior, but then fall into this religious system. And what those religious systems are, are ways that if you act like this, then you get to be with Him. Anybody ever see that work? It doesn't. It works for the people who are in charge of the religious system. Because they get something out of it that they shouldn't have in the first place. And that's control. They control everything that goes on underneath them. But see, it was never meant to be that way. Look at Jesus' life. And I don't know that, that too many people have ever looked at it from this perspective. Look at the control he exerted over his disciples. It's non-existent. They could come and go as they pleased. He never forced them to do anything. He led them. He directed them. But he never forced them. He never said, do this and I'll do this. Do this and I'll like you. You know, do this and I'll be pleased with you. Now, not that he isn't pleased with our obedience, he is. But that's kind of like putting the cart before the horse. And and that's what he said right here in verse 3. He said, and by this we know that we have come to know him. There are two words in there that are critically important. The word have and the word come. By this, in other words, he's saying... By what I am about to tell you, which is, keep my commandments. By that, when you keep my commandments, then we know you have come to know me. Not, you get to know me when you keep my commandments. Boy, there's, there's a huge difference there. It may seem subtle, but it's not subtle at all. It is the the crux of relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are trying to perform to receive your relationship, you're wasting your time. You are exerting energy that will not give you back what you want. See, in this... In this time of seeking Him, of going after Him in relationship, what I found, and I've said this a few times, what I found is, my life has become what others would deem as squeaky clean. 
I mean, I would fit in so well to the legalistic church if I would just cut my hair. (laughs) Right? Because everything else is right in line. The difference is, it came as a result of my relationship. See, there are things that I won't watch on TV now that I used to watch, and the reason I won't watch them is because He showed me how that affects Him. It wasn't even about how I thought it affected me. It was how it hurt Him. And so, it came to a point where I'm just not about to do anything to hurt Him. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to me. So, do you see? It is... By this we know that we have come to know Him. By keeping His commandments, that's evidence of relationship. If you have relationship with Jesus Christ, you will have evidence in your life of that relationship. I want you to turn somewhere else. Let me see if I can find it. Turn to Matthew 19. No, 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 never mind, not Matthew 19. John 13. I knew I'd read it before. John 13. We're going to begin at verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. He's prophesying his death here, and, and burial, resurrection. Verse 34, a new commandment I give to you. Before he's he's leaving, he's laying with them the things that are important. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this very thing, by the love that you display for each other, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How often as you read Jesus' life, going through the Gospels, going through, through Paul's epistles, how often... Do we see that it's about love? Right? It's about the love that we have for Him, but it's about the love that we have for each other. Now take that back to what we just looked at in 1 John. If you don't see love in your life, if you don't see love in your life for other people, if you don't see love in your life that is displayed, that is, is not self-centered love. If you don't see love for other people, you have to question your relationship with the Lord. Because the relationship will manifest in that love. He said that they'll know, this world will know that you are my children. This world will know that you are of me if you love each other. See, because it's easy to fake loving God. I'm sorry, but 
preachers do it all the time. The world is filled with thousands upon thousands of preachers that act like they love God. Because what they really love is a schedule of loving God. You know, it's, this is my time to get up here and preach and let everybody know how much I love God. You want to know the truth about a preacher, you look at them during the week when nobody else is looking. Look at the love displayed in their lives for everybody else. That's what Jesus said here. But by the way, it's not just preachers. It's everybody. He, he didn't say here, only you 12 disciples, or only preachers that I call into the ministry. No. It's everybody. It's everybody. When you develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will fall in love with people like you never expected to. I remember the first time I, I set foot on African soil, and even specifically in Nigeria. I had the strangest feeling. Hadn't talked to anybody yet. By that time, hadn't, hadn't even seen Andrew yet. I just had gotten off the plane, and there they didn't have a, a walkway like they have now. You, you actually walk down off the plane, then you walk across the tarmac and go into the terminal. So the second I got off that plane and stepped on Nigerian soil, I felt this overwhelming love. See, the love wasn't about the, the person or the thing that the love was directed toward. It was about my heart being in sync with the Lord's. And it's extraordinary. You know, I'll, I'll say this too in regards to the trip. The Lord has given us so much favor in Nigeria. And I got to see, we got to meet with the, the governor again. And, and the last time I was there a year ago, the Lord had given me a word for the governor. But he said I couldn't tell him yet. He said you could tell him, you know, some other time. And, but this time he told me I, I could tell him. And he, he said, he said, but it can't be in front of all the cameras and when you're on TV and all that stuff, it has to be private. And he said, I have a lot more for him, but I will tell you that when you're there in front of him. And so, so I, I let the chief of staff know. And so they arranged that after we were, you know, we did our, our meeting in front of the cameras and all that stuff, then, then they just walked us back into a little private office area. And and it was just a few of us. In fact, it was me, Michael, and David, uh, Comfort, and Andrew, and then the governor and his chief of staff. That's all that was in the room. And and so I told him that I had this word for him and, and that the Lord would would give me the rest of the word as I began to speak. And I just asked the Lord. I said... Show me his heart. Show me his heart, Lord, because if, if we're to work with this government, if we're to work with these people, show me his heart. 
And especially the word that he had given me the year before was that he would one day be president of Nigeria. And so I'm, I'm just, Lord, give me his heart. Show me his heart. Let me see his heart like you see his heart. And so I began, I prayed first, then I began to give him the word. And, um, you know, he, he, uh, he was sitting there, he wears these glasses, and I, I couldn't, you know, he, he, he was very, uh, uh, not, he was expressionless. He did not show any expression. He was just sitting there listening, and, and I'm giving this word as the Lord's giving it to me, I'm just feeding it to him. And I'm thinking this whole time, you know, is he understanding my English, <laughs> first of all, which I didn't think was a problem. But then I, I didn't know how he was receiving it. And then I started to see this tear come down below his glasses. And I knew immediately, it was at that moment that what I had asked for, the Lord began to do. The Lord opened my eyes to his heart. Lord, open my eyes to this man's relationship with the Lord. And there were many other things that the Lord gave me in the moment. And, and I recorded all that and, and gave him a copy and all that. But, but it was extraordinary. Then the Lord asked me to anoint him. And I did. He got on his knees and, and I anointed him. And then he immediately jumped up and went into a back room and shut the door. And came back out a few few moments later, and it was clearly to gather himself. And he sat down in his desk, and he just said, he said, I have a confirmation of your word. And he said, I'd like to share it with you. And I said, hold on, let me record this. <laughs> so I recorded that as well. And he began to give confirmation of everything that I had said. Everything that I had said the Lord had been doing in his life and had told him in one way or another everything that was said. It was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. It made me realize that that's why we're there. We're there because of his heart. Nigeria will turn because of his heart for these people. And I will say this, and I told him this, and this was pretty extraordinary to me, but see, they love Donald Trump over there. <laughs> oh my goodness, they love him. They're my people. <laughs> right? They love him. And so this really resonated when I told him this, when the Lord told me uh, to, to say this to him, that, that the Lord has, the Lord will rise him up for Nigeria as he rose Donald Trump up for this, for America. That he is anointed for Nigeria the same way Donald Trump is anointed for America. Now, I hope he understands that's, that, that's not a real smooth road. <laughs> but talk about facilitating change. It's going to happen. So this all goes back to the idea that relationship is about love. It's about displayed love. I missed our worship. When I was here this morning, I, I'm just filled. I'm just filled being a part of it. 
See, that is displayed love. Because I've been part of worship before. I led worship for 15 years. And we had awesome times. And the music was so phenomenal. And we had, you know, so many packed house and everything else. And it was so good. And, and oh, that went flawless. And, and, you know, all the videos looked good. And the lighting was good. And, and whatever effects, they were all good. And so it was a good night. Boy, it was nothing compared to what we have here and what we experience. And that's because it's displayed love. See, it doesn't matter how good we could sing. It doesn't matter how good we could play. It doesn't matter that we're not sitting on some stage in some building. Because it's the displayed love. I look around this morning as we're worshiping and and, and I love it because it, it's kind of a dichotomy a little bit. It, it's, it's, like, it's like everybody's together, but everybody's alone. You know, everybody's worshiping together and in this together, but they're right there with Jesus Christ, just the two of them. And I see that time after time after time as I look into people's faces as we worship. And by the way, that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that way. That's displayed love. That's the love at the beginning when I got up and I said that, that, that love's infectious. It's contagious. You know, when you fall in love with Jesus Christ, you watch. The people around you will change. They'll change. I'm, I'm living proof of that, guys. I'm living proof of that. Because when God gets a hold of your heart, it's not about us anymore. It's just about that displayed love that he puts through us. That's extraordinary. That's why, why when, when we went into Abuja and, and, and preached, that's, that's why we were met with such resistance. Satan doesn't know how to handle it. He doesn't know how to fight the love. Those witches last night that, that did the hex on, on uh, uh, Justice uh, Kavanaugh. You know, I, I don't know if anybody saw, I saw an interview with, with the head guy who put it together or whatever. There's no love. <laughs> Promise you that. It's all selfishness. It's all intra-perspective. Well, I don't like... Well, he does this to me. Everything was introspective. There's no love. So you want to defeat the enemy? And by the way, that's the epitome of the enemy, by the way. You want to defeat the enemy? Charm and love. Love them. They don't know what to do with that. Now, that isn't to say that you don't go... And you don't go after them when God tells you to go after them. Because we do. You know, there wasn't a lot of love that was shown with the children of Israel going into Jericho. I can't answer why. Except that that was God's will. And it was God's will that every one of them be destroyed. But I can tell you, in this day that we live in, 
There's something way more powerful than a sword that took all of their lives. And that is love. They don't know what to do with it. And, and we've seen time and time again where that love turns those witches. By the way, I, I, I guess I, I found out in this interview, I didn't realize, I thought the guys were called warlocks, but I guess they're all called witches. Now I could be politically correct. <laughs> but do you see, love is something that will turn even their hearts. We've seen it. We've seen many witches come to know Christ displayed through love because they don't, they don't get that. Their dad doesn't show him love because he doesn't even know what love is. He doesn't know how to defend against it. He doesn't know how to, how to fight it. And it's by that love that people will know that you have a relationship with Christ. Not just that you're part of some religious system. If you want people to know that, then get a patch. Get a patch, wear it on your hat, right? I am part of the religious system of Jesus Christ. Wear it proudly. See where that gets you. If you want them to know that you have relationship with Christ, it only comes through love. So Father, we worship you and praise you, Lord. And thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done. I pray, Lord, that you open our eyes to this love. And do your will, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.